listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. To catch you up where we are at in our current preaching series, we are in the midst of Lent. Lent is a season where symbolically we walk through the journey of Jesus towards the cross. And where we are in that journey today is remembering the story of what is known as Palm Sunday. In the church calendar, this is marked as Palm Sunday, which we gather and remember a particular story, which is of vital importance as Jesus moves towards the cross. And I'm about to read that story from the Gospel of Luke Uh, chapter 19. So if you do have your Bibles, you can begin to open them at verse 28. Lent, I just also wanted to say, if you're just joining us, is also a time where we perhaps deny ourselves things. People may uh, choose not to eat meat or to refrain from social media or to not have chocolate or to not have alcohol or coffee as something to deny ourselves Then when we fast and then get to Easter Sunday, we celebrate and move out of that period of fasting. But we are in a current period where we're all in a kind of enforced Lent. There is an extra profound, I guess, importance that seems to be placed over Lent this year as we live globally through the COVID-19 pandemic. So with all of that in the background, let's read from Luke's Gospel. After this, Jesus said this. He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. I just want to mark that. This is a journey towards Jerusalem, the capital of God, and notice the direction in which they are going. They're going towards Jerusalem, but they're also going upwards. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt. Its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
Now in this story, to understand it and the part it plays as we move towards Easter Sunday and the work of Jesus on the cross and the miracle of his resurrection, we need to understand that the biblical story has been building towards this moment and two threads intersect at this point. The first thread, if you read through the scriptures up to this point, is a theme of the people of God approaching the mountain of God. The Psalms are filled with a particular kind of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. Again, remember, I ask you to mark that point where Jesus is ascending towards Jerusalem. Pilgrims who were coming towards Jerusalem where the temple existed, which housed the presence of God, they would actually make their way up this ascent. And as they made their way up that ascent towards Mount Zion, as it's called, which is biblical language for Jerusalem, they would sing these songs, these psalms of praise. And many Jewish people throughout the world at this time were spread out to all different corners of the known world throughout the Roman Empire. And many would desire to see the Jerusalem, which they'd only heard of through the scriptures. And so many would save up their money and make this pilgrimage to come to Jerusalem. And they would sing these psalms and their hearts would fill with joy as they were literally physically moving towards the presence of God. So this was a joyful time, a time of praise. The long journey was over and finally Jerusalem was in sight. The second sort of thing going on in this theme of approaching the mountain of God was this was also an ability to see the functioning city of God, where God dwelt with his presence, but also his king dwelt. This was the capital of the people of God, the chosen one, those who were given the promised land. There was also this other theme at play. Mountains were seen as high places. This is where humans met God. Jerusalem was on a high place, but the people of God had met God at high places all throughout the scriptures. Wherever there was a theme of a mountain, we know that God's presence is close. His dwelling is there. However, in this story, that first thread of approaching the mountain of God, this joyous moment of coming close to God's presence, of seeing Jerusalem, a functioning kingship, a, a people of justice and righteousness, a sense of coming close to where God came close to us, where heaven and earth overlapped over that at this particular time in history, a dark cloud had fallen, a night had come. This wasn't a sense of joy. The king was not a king in the line of David. It was actually a person called Herod who barely kept his Jewish laws, who actually dealt with the Romans, who was corrupt and vile and degenerate. Israel was not a kingdom of, of kindness or generosity or justice or righteousness. In fact, it was oppressed by a foreign people, the Romans, who did not worship the one true God, but worshipped a whole variety of gods and oppressed the Jewish people. So approaching Jerusalem was a sense of approaching the presence of God and his godly kingdom, but it didn't look like it was supposed to. 
And Ezekiel had told of in the scriptures that even the Shekinah glory of God, God's presence had left the temple. The second theme is of a king who would come and make things right. In the midst of this sense that a night had fallen upon Jerusalem, that a dark cloud had enveloped what should be a joyful moment, was this other thread, a thread also that brought hope. And this thread was of a king who would return to Jerusalem, that God would come back. And just as Ezekiel had seen the presence of God leave, that one day the presence would come back and that would be intimately linked to again a godly king called the Messiah who would reign in Jerusalem, who would make Israel right and the whole world right. And so we have these two threads coming together. One is this idea of approaching the mountain of God of Jerusalem with joy and expectation. But there was this cloud, this darkness, but the hope then lay in the fact that a godly king would come, the Messiah, to liberate his people and restore and make the night go away. And to the crowds that are gathering with excitement, laying down their cloaks, singing out, are actually filled with an excitement that that wanted king is finally returning, that the night will dispel, that the cloud will lift, that the bright sun of everything being in its right place would again return. But this is where the story takes a strange twist. And I want to read on to verse 41 of Luke chapter 19. As he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem, And saw the city. Remember, this is meant to be a moment of joy. It says he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in from every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is not how the story is meant to go. This is not how the plot is meant to progress. The king who returns is meant to come in and cleanse the temple and take the kingship and get the Romans out of the city and restore Israel's pride and glory. Not to weep at the edge of Jerusalem, to prophesy of a time when Jerusalem won't be restored. Actually, Jerusalem will be destroyed. And at this point, Jesus speaks ahead of an event that happens in 70 AD when the Roman armies finally come in and destroy Jerusalem. And so the king turns up. Jesus is the king. Yet the king weeps. This city of Jerusalem, this stronghold where the people of God would be protected from their enemies, where the presence was meant to dwell. Jesus prophesies that will fall. That night is actually not disappearing. That Jesus is speaking forward to the fact that the night will get darker. And so we're left hanging at this point as we walk the Lenten journey, reading these texts. We want resolution. We want the night to go. 
But instead, we're left asking the question, will the night go on forever? And because we read the scriptures at this time, symbolically walking towards Easter, we have to step into the narrative here. And at this point of the story, the theme of night, which I spoke of last week as a symbol of where we are at the moment in this COVID-19 pandemic. A night has fallen all across the world. We don't know how long it's going to go for. This sense that what we thought we knew and trusted all of a sudden is darkened. Whilst often it is sunny outside and you go for your exercise walk once a day and the sun may break through, there's still this sense of an ominous night that has befallen us. And a fear that grows around our health, our economy, our own jobs, our sustainability, our community, the world has fallen on us. And so at this point of the story of Jesus on Palm Sunday, there's a lesson here for people who walk in a night. That deep in the night that Jesus speaks of here, there is actually a gift that can be given to us. Much of the story in the Gospels from this point onwards occurs at night. The Last Supper, the betrayal that Judas brings upon Jesus, that night in the garden, the seizing of Jesus, the trial of Jesus, and the cross upon Golgotha. If this is a movie, the light darkens at this point. Night is the mise-en-scene, as they call it in the theatre, the setting that the story will occur on from here forward. And so this lesson in the night that we must learn from here onwards is vital if we are to come back stronger from this night. Last week I preached that a night may have fallen, but a dawn will come. There will be a moment where we actually break out of the night. The sun will rise. COVID-19 will be defeated. When a vaccine comes, when our science catches up to this challenge. But how do we meet that dawn stronger, stronger as individuals, stronger in our belief in God, stronger in our sense of community and connection with others, stronger in our sense of discipleship, stronger as households, stronger as a church ready for renewal. How do we step into that moment? We must learn the lesson in the night. Jesus's ministry is overlaid with all of these different themes that go before him. And Jesus is walking out these great biblical themes. One of these themes is of Moses leading his people out of captivity. And we learned last week that one of the things that happens at night is that people break away from captivity in the night. In the book of Exodus, Israel flees captivity in Egypt under the cover of night. But we have also this story of Moses moving into a dark cloud we find in Exodus 19. 
the people of God have escaped from Egypt, they find themselves wandering in a wilderness which seems to go on forever. But then this moment where God breaks through, they come to a mountain, this mountain of God. The people approach the mountain, but what descends over this mountain of God, where people, again, remember the symbology of a mountain is of a temple, a meeting place with God, where God will speak and God's presence is. We read in Exodus 19 that a dark cloud comes upon the mountain, which terrifies the people. The people tremble. Hebrews tells us that even Moses, the leader of the people, when this particular night falls, actually trembles himself. This sense of collective fear overtakes the people of God. And God seems far away because he is enclosed within a dark night, a deep and mysterious cloud that falls over the mountain. But there's this really instructive element in the story where God invites Moses to come to the top of the mountain to meet with him. But in order to meet God, Moses has to do something absolutely counterintuitive. And that's to step into the dark night, to walk into what is unknown and frightening. Moses goes beyond the natural perimeter that seems to be keeping the people back. We have the people of God and there's this mountain. And the mountain has been overtaken with this dark cloud which has descended. God is atop the high places ready to meet with Moses. And here is all the people over whom this collective sense of fear has fallen at the sight of the night, which represents the unknowable. It represents all of our deepest potential fears hiding in what we cannot see. Nothing challenges us and who we are, our identity, our security, like the unknown and the night. And so God calls Moses to do something counterintuitive. The first thing is to actually step beyond the fear of the people. Moses moves beyond what is happening in the crowd. And there's a lesson for us here at this moment, as this night has befallen the world in terms of this global pandemic is that all around us, every day in the newspaper, in the text message of our friends, in the complete world in which we live, where you go for a walk and someone crosses the other side of the road, there's a sense that fear has overtaken us. This is totally understandable. There is a sense where fear is helpful. Fear at the moment is meaning we're washing our hands more. We're trying to protect ourselves. We're sheltering in place, staying in our homes, being in quarantine, because there's a natural fear that we do not want to get this illness. Yet there's a fear that can also prevent us at moments like this from moving towards where God is inviting us to be because the fear of the crowd has overtaken us. And so at this moment, we see Moses take a step that we must take, which is it's okay to feel fear. Moses feels fear. 
but he begins a counterintuitive move towards God where he steps beyond the fear of the crowd. This is not courage. This is not someone who is just stepping forward because they're particularly brave. Rather, this is something that's happening that is spiritual, where Moses is being invited forward by God. God invites him, and because God invites him, he can step forward out of the fear of the crowd. The second thing that happens is that Moses has to step into this place to make this ascent to this invitation of God by himself. We get so much affirmation from others. We're known by what other people, how they respond to us. Other people, in a sense, are our social mirror. We look to them for guidance and clues. And so much of our world has been what I've called sometimes the the, the hierarchy or the, 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 this hierarchy of what your friends think of you. We're addicted to what our friends think of us. We don't like to go against them. We want to, when we're confronted with a situation like this, we want to see what everyone else is thinking. The world is filled with so many hot takes and opinions at the moment of how we should respond to this pandemic. And we need to listen to wise and helpful voices. But also we're at a point where every person can broadcast their thoughts to the world. And so at this moment, as we then are retreating into a personal and private space, we also have the ability to then broadcast our opinions to the world, thus overwhelming other people. I heard, I think it was Martin Guri called it the infodemic. We have a pandemic and we have an infodemic where we're flooding the world with our opinions, some helpful, some terrifying, some just inane. But in the night, Moses steps out of that space to meet God. He has to meet him alone. Naked, putting his identity aside without pretense, going before the one who can seek him as he truly is. This happens under the cover of a night. This happens in a crisis in a way that it can't normally happen when everything around us is in its right place and the day's sun is shining. There are encounters that happen in the scriptures. These psalmists speak of nights of sleeplessness where there is prayer that is fervent and God works on the deepest things in our heart. And Moses meets God at the top of the mountain And this incredible communion with God, meeting him in his presence at this point of the story, is done in the midst of a dark cloud. And in the scriptures, we see this imagery in Psalm 18. It says, he made, speaking of God, he made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. But in the midst of this dark canopy, which God sometimes comes in, that word in that verse, in verse 12, out of the brightness of his presence, That from the outside, that God comes seemingly cloaked in darkness. And that's what it looks like, in a sense, from those outside. But those who step into the unknowable, 
who walk into the night with God, they discover that in the midst of that cloud, there is the brightness of his presence. And this is what is known as that hidden place with God. That Moses spends 40 days and 40 nights not eating. He's he's spiritually suckered by God in that hidden place. He goes beyond what the crowd thinks. He goes beyond his own fear. He steps in with God into that dark place. But in the midst of that dark place, like an eye in the middle of the storm, is this dwelling place with God. And in that place, God reveals his secrets, his way to Moses. In that hidden place, Moses is given this Torah, this instruction, this practice of how to live. In that place, Moses is given the instructions on how to build the tabernacle, how humanity can dwell with the presence of God, worshipping God, living with God in the fullness of his presence. At this moment... There is a similar invitation to us. I think some things will change because of this pandemic. But a lot of things will just simply intensify. Bad habits and fractures in our culture will possibly just simply get worse. Many people will just while away this quarantine, gorging themselves on more distraction and entertainment. But there's an invitation for those who walk with God into this night to be invited into that hidden place, that hidden place that we see in the life of Jesus when he gets up early and dwells with his father. And so Moses is given this practice, this Torah, this instruction of how to live, these these commandments of what it is to be a, a functioning, holy, flourishing human. He's given a way of living in God's presence. Now, what's really interesting is if you have been part of Red for a long time, these are the things that we've been going after. How do you form and flourish as a human being in the ways of God? How do we live in God's presence? We have cried out for God to renew us in these things. But it's really interesting. After these things are revealed to Moses... We find Moses then coming down from the mountain with these incredible gifts to give to the people of God who are waiting down the bottom of the mountain. But the people lose patience. And in the darkness of this night, they look to other things. They look to the shininess of the golden calf. As they give off that which was given to them as they left Egypt, the gold, and they melt it into something to worship, the complete opposite of who God has called them to be. A temptation comes in the night. There is two options. There is walking into that dark cloud with God, but there also becomes the temptation to simply look for that which glitters but is worthless. And this tells us that even with this stuff, the knowledge of how to follow these practices, how to form ourselves in the way of God, even this desire to have God's presence, to create services where we gather, where the worship hits this point and we're crying out for God's presence. These things in of themselves 
Moses finds a missing something. That Moses discovers that the people are fallen. They fall short of the glory of God because they are human. Moses, later in the story, himself falls short. And this is because, as Romans tell us, that all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All have, in a sense, given over to that worship of things that are not of God. We all have our golden calves. And so the message is we can't do it in our own strength. We have to step beyond our strength, stepping into that unknowable place, stepping beyond our fear. Often our fear is actually our lack of control over what is happening, stepping beyond what other people think. And this is the point. We again encounter Jesus on Palm Sunday, beginning his journey towards what will happen on that night on Golgotha. The answer for why the people of God couldn't follow through with this instruction that had literally come from the mountaintop of God. How even though they were given this way of dwelling in the presence of God, their sin and their fallenness and their brokenness continually undermined them. We cannot do this in our own strength. And the gift of the night is that that is illustrated in the night where we have no control, where not our knowledge is, is, reaches a limit, that at that point, we can say, Jesus, we want to follow you. We're going to follow the king into the night, even though we can't see it and we can't control it. Because as Psalm 23 tells us, even though we walk through the darkest valley, We need not fear evil. For you, Jesus, the great shepherd, are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Walking with Jesus in the night, who is the only light who can light the night, we walk with the shepherd who cares for us like sheep. Jesus, who in John 8, 12 said, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light, life. At this point in time, when a darkness, when a night has befallen the world, we simply need to fix our eyes on Jesus. I believe that one of the great things that God will do for those who step into the invitation of this time is to learn that we can't do it. Yes, these things we need to pursue, but we can't do them in our own strength. We can't simply be chaplains to a world where people seemingly have everything. We've now moved from a culture which is based around our wants to now we have realized how much we need things. We need community. We need this pandemic to be gone. But more than anything, we need Jesus. And so the week from here, as we move towards Good Friday, as we move towards Easter Sunday, let's step into this story and follow the King into the night. Let's pray. God, we know that a night has befallen the world. We know that it seems very dark. Every time we open up the newspapers, we're simply presented with Growing death tolls, growing rates of infections, economic chaos, job losses. But God, we know that in the midst of a dark night, there is an invitation to come closer to you. 
And so, Father, we meet you, the God who comes in darkness of unknowability sometimes, and we step into that place with faith, realizing that we can't control everything, that there's a limit to our strength. So, Father, we step beyond our strength and we simply collapse at your feet and say, Jesus, lead us. Jesus, we want to follow you, the king into the night. We know that many of your followers after Palm Sunday began to desert you, dropping off one by one as where you were taking them didn't look like where they wanted to go. But we know, Jesus, that in this night that there is a cross on that hill in Golgotha and that in this night that there is actually an empty tomb. And Father, we set our eyes now on that. Be with us. May we say yes to the invitation of this moment. Father, we know that dawn will break soon, whether it's months. We don't know what the date for that. We know that there will be a dawn breaking where this pandemic will cease. But we want to meet that dawn stronger in you. We want to be people who step into that hidden place with you, where you reveal to us who you are and who we are. To bless us all as we listen to this now. In your name. Amen. Thank you so much. We're now going to move into a time of worship. And now things stripped away, in a sense, us divided by this digital divide. With a night fallen in the world, our praises where we worship God, not the golden calves of our society which still have their shiny allure. At this moment, we choose to worship you, God. And so let's create those hidden places, whether you're watching this by yourself, with your family, wherever you are, on a phone, on a laptop, on a TV. Let's now sing and affirm that we want to follow Jesus the King into the night, for he is the only light which can light up the darkness. Let's worship.